This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Hola. Hello, this call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow, ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow, now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier, thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to Rookie and Nice, the new podcast from BBC Good Food. My name is Miriam Nice. And I'm Nadia Zirfat, also known as the Rookie Chef. Unlike Miriam, I'm right at the start of my cooking journey. My day-to-day job is replying to your feedback and talking to you on our social media channels. Whereas I've been working in food and food writing for many years, including the last six at BBC Good Food. In this series, we're joining forces to deep dive into a recipe with an expert guest and help answer your cookery questions too. While I learn how to perfect a new dish, each week Miriam will be finding out how and when it's served and who to. Join us as we learn all about some of our favourite dishes and uncover some great cookery tips direct from the experts. This episode, we're learning about a classic takeaway favourite. It's one of my favourites for sure. And with us is chef, presenter, cookbook author, Gotlin Wang. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So it's, it's been great. I've been so, so much attention since writing these books. I should have done it a long time ago. <laughs> I actually, I, I bought the book before I knew you were coming on the podcast and I've just been looking through trying to sort of figure out which one I want to do first because they're all so incredible. But when I was writing it, it was all about, you know, basically I picked up loads of different Chinese takeaway menus from right across the UK and I tried to compile the ones together that most of the takeaways were doing. So, like, everybody loves a sweet and sour, everybody loves a hot and sour soup, you know, the crispy roast duck, the barbecue spare ribs, you know, the beef and black beans. You got, you know, there's so many dishes out there that people just recognise because the dishes that we were eating as we grew up in the sort of, like, 70s, 80s and 90s, you know, so. So, in your own words, can you just tell us a little bit, if anyone doesn't know, um, a little bit about what you do? Okay. Um British-born Chinese, born in Leicester um, to a Hong Kong father and a British mother. Um, dad um, came over in 
I think it was about the early 60s. Um, Granddad had come over in the 50s with a great sort of like um, mass migration after China's civil war. And um, Granddad had opened a restaurant and he started shipping over his children one by one to come and help in the restaurant. Um, so um, I kind of like grew up in the restaurants and takeaways that my mum and dad were well were working in and then eventually owning. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of like me in a nutshell, really. So, like, you know, my whole life has pretty much been revolved around the Chinese catering industry. And um, I don't remember a time when we weren't in the restaurant or cooking in the restaurant or playing under the tables or just getting under people, you know, getting under the feet of this, the staff as we were running up and down the stairs and, you know, being kids, you know, in, a, in, a, in our playground, I guess. So. so you've always had that passion for food around you. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like weird because people say, you know, was it, a, was it a lifestyle choice as I was growing up? You know, probably answers, probably no. It was a lifestyle so, yeah. you know, we we lived above the restaurants sort of like um, in the early 80s. So, so when the restaurant was busy, mum and dad would literally call upstairs on the intercom and um, say, we're really busy. So can you come down and give us a hand? And um, af- after leaving school, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went into like, I just continued what I was doing as I was at school. And that was just helping out in the kitchens and, you know, learning to cook, I guess. So, So to kick things off, we have some cookery questions that we um, asked our Instagram audience and they delivered questions just for you. So the first one is from princess underscore Gracie. And she asked, how do you make egg fried rice? I always end up with scrambled egg and rice help. Okay. Uh, You've got to make sure that your rice is at least day old. So if you're going to pre-boil the rice, cook it the day before, um, spoon it through just to break up the grains and then pop it into the fridge overnight uncovered. Now what happens is as it's in the fridge it naturally dry out the rice. The key is is to get the wok as hot as you can so you literally want it smoking. Then you add in a squirt of oil so about a tablespoon of oil and then you add your whisked egg. Now pretty much as soon as that egg hits the oil it's going to sort of like froth up and go all bubbly. Give it a quick stir, add your rice and the key, especially when you're cooking in a home kitchen because obviously you haven't got the same kind of heat that we would have in a restaurant, is if you can't hear the pan sizzling, stop what you're doing and just let that pan regain the heat. As soon as you start the sizzling again or hear the sizzling you can start mixing and then um, just and that's why it's called fried rice because we're actually frying the rice with the egg. You know, towards the end, add your seasoning. So a little bit of salt, a little bit of soy sauce. You know, for those of you, I mean, there's this big controversy, isn't there, with MSG. Now, I don't use monosodium glutamate in any of my cooking because I think because because of the soy sauce and the oyster sauce that we use a lot of, it's naturally got that umami um, kind of like seasoning in there. So you don't need to add extra, but that's up to the individuals because there's a lot of purists out there. And it's crazy because these guys are passionate about Chinese takeaway cookery. And they're saying, no, you can't call it Chinese if it hasn't got MSG in it. Well, that's not strictly true because we never always used MSG in the restaurants and takeaways. And this is, you know, from someone that's been there and done it for real life. So add your seasonings. Your seasonings are to yours. You know, some people like it salty. Some people like it a little bit more sweet. So you can add a pinch of sugar in. And then, um, yeah, switch off the heat. And I always finish it off with just a little dash of sesame oil. And that's going to give it that nutty note at the end. And then you've got, there you go, Chinese Cantonese style egg fried rice. You make it sound so easy. Yeah, I've done it like a billion times. And I, you know, that's without exaggeration as well. You've got to think, so like, when you first start to learn to cook in a Chinese takeaway kitchen or a Chinese restaurant, you have a range. You have, you have your position or your station. And you can imagine that you've got, like, four big Bunsen burners. 
Um, the end one being frying, and then you've got the two middle ones, which are cooking the dishes. And then the, and there tends to be, there's always one that's allocated just for fried rice. That's where you start. So every time that an order comes in, whether it's egg fried rice, chicken fried rice, young chow fried rice, shrimp fried rice, it goes through your wok. So all night long, you're cooking fried rice. So, you know, imagine doing that for like, you know, I'm 48 years old this year. So I've been doing it such a long time. And we have a question from Megan Nicholson, 1997. If you find your sauce too vinegary, will adding an additional spoonful of sugar counteract this? So I think that's specifically in reference to sweet and sour chicken. Okay. So yeah, the sweet and sour. Now there are some takeaways. I've worked in a takeaway in the south of Leicester and their sweet and sour was really sweet. Now obviously the customers used to love that because that was their, you know, their, then I've worked in other takeaways. It's really sour. So of course, by cooking it at home, we have that choice now. If you like it a little bit more tart, add the vinegar. If you like it more sweet, simply add more sugar. And it really is that, that simple. So yeah, so the answer is yes, add more sugar. Don't like it so, so it's sour, just, just add a bit more sugar and you'll be absolutely fine. You know, you've also got, have you noticed as well, when you've got a sweet and sour, you get that taste that's along the side of the mouth. That's created by tomato puree and tomato ketchup. So of course, you can always cheat that flavour as well by adding more puree or more ketchup to the sauce as well. So it's all just personal taste, really. A hundred percent. You know, I've done <laughs> recipes and, you know, you know, 99.9% of them will say, oh, it's fantastic. And then you get that 0.1% saying, I really didn't like that. But that's because they're used to a different dish because no matter where you are in the UK, you know, you'll go to a Chinese takeaway and you'll have a sweet and sour and it will taste similar to a sweet and sour that's in the north of the country, but it won't be the same as in the south of the country. So therefore, you know, by cooking it at home, we can tweak it out to exactly how we want it or how we remember it. So... Little Welsh Foodie asked, how do I keep the chicken crispy? Okay, are we talking the Hong Kong style, which is in the cornflour batter or the balls? Now, if we're talking about the chicken balls, you know, sweet and sour chicken balls, um, the, the key is, is that they're cooked twice. So at the beginning of the night, you'll do a big batch of sweet and sour chicken balls and you'll partially cook them. So they're cooked through, but then what happens over time when they've been sitting for a little while, they go soft and squidgy. By the time they're reordered, they go back through the fryer for another five or six minutes and they become really crispy. So that's the that's the key there. It's fry them once and then the second time on a really high heat for about three to five minutes. You've got to make sure the inside is cooked all the way through because it's chicken or pork even. And, but that way it remains crispy. If you're doing the corn flour batter, it has to be done fresh. So therefore, you know, you coat it in the corn flour batter, which is literally just egg and corn flour with a little bit of salt. You fry it. And as soon as it comes out the fryer, it goes into the sweet and sour sauce. It's mixed and then served. If it stands for any length of time, it will go soft. So sweet and sour, which is the dish we are here to talk about. So for anyone that doesn't know, would you mind just talking us through it, explaining, you know, the basic principles of it? Okay. So, um, so... Obviously, we need to create the sauce. Again, there are lots of different ways of creating the sauce. So in the book, I use orange juice. I know some people that like to use pineapple juice. And I've even worked in takeaways where they've made their own fruit punch before we've even started. And literally, they get a big wok full of water and they add apples and oranges and limes and lemons and you name it. It goes into it. And then they sieve all of that out. And then that's used as the base stock, like a fruit stock. Obviously, at home, we can either use orange juice or pineapple juice. That's up to us. We could even use water. It is sweet and sour, so therefore, we've got to add the sugar. We need to add the vinegar. So, And if you haven't got rice vinegar, you can use white vinegar. You might even get away with the Sarsons brown vinegar, but it might be a little bit harsh. 
And then we're talking about that sort of like that flavor, you know, that's sort of like that the taste you get at the side of your mouth. And that's, you know, you get that by adding the tomato ketchup and the tomato puree. And that's pretty much it. And then obviously we've got to think about thickening. Now, the thickening of choice in every restaurant and every takeaway that I've worked at is corn flour and water mixed together and it's got to be cold. And then you slowly drizzle that into the sauce as the sauce is boiling. You've got to keep it mixing. And then when you get to the desired consistency, now I say that because again, some people like their sauce where you can cut it with a knife and fork. Other people like it that it pours. So you add as, as much corn flour slurry as you like your sauce thickness if that makes sense. And that's really as simple as, that's a simple sweet and sour. It's like the age-old gravy debate that we have on the good food team as well. <clears throat> Some of the team like it, like you said, so thick you can cut it with a knife and other people like it a bit runnier. But again, it's all down to personal preference. 100%. Yeah. And, and again, it's all like, it's our food, it's on our table, it's on our plate. We've got to make sure it's how we enjoy it and how we remember it. So... Would you be able to tell us a little bit about the origin of the dish? Oh, there you go. It's actually in the book. So this is, That's from, handy. this is from the Chinese Takeaway Cookbook. The original sweet and sour sauce originated in the province of Hunan, China. The sauce was a light vinegar and sugar mixture with very little resemblance to the bright orange dish served in many restaurants today. So there you go. There's the origin of it. So yeah, it's kind of like it's come from a, obviously a, a, you know a, 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 a traditional Chinese dish. Now the Chinese like to cook their food, so and they, they like to have different elements. So sometimes the element will be bitter, sometimes it will be sour, sometimes it will be sweet, sometimes it'll be spicy. So you know, so obviously you know they're, they're just playing on that sort of like on a dish that they had, and obviously for the Western taste buds, they've just added more sugar to make it into this sweet and sour dish now. So in China, would the dish be completely different? Yeah. You know, if you went to China and asked for sweet and sour, the chances are you wouldn't get what you thought you were asking for. You know, even in Hong Kong. I mean, you know, considering that the Cantonese cuisine that we've got here in the UK and America is very much, it, it comes from Hong Kong with this mass migration that we talked about in the 50s. Um, even when you go to Hong Kong now, it's slightly it's slightly varied. It's more to the Chinese taste buds rather than the Western. There are certain parts of Hong Kong which is like full of expats. You know, if you go to Wan Chai or over onto Hong Kong Island, there's a lot of British people living there, and you'll get food that you would you know you would recognise quite you know quite a lot here in the UK because of the expats that are over there. But if you start heading into Kowloon and into these back streets, that's where you start to get your dumplings and your noodles and your rice porridge and things like that. So. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is if you hadn't become like a chef and a broadcaster and martial arts instructor as well, it says, um, what else would you have done or is there anything you'd like to do career-wise? Um, I've, I've done everything and I mean everything. I've been a, <laughs> I've been a dustbinman for a day. I've worked for an electrical company carrying the big power batteries at Power BT. Um, I've been a doorman. I've worked as a security, security officer. I've worked, obviously, in the restaurants and the takeaways. I've got a full-time kung fu school. Um, have you guys heard of bubble tea? I used to have a bubble tea cafe in Leicester as well, which I opened when, the, when it was all going on. Um, I've ran shows at the NEC, so I had my massive show called The Martial Arts Show live at the NEC. And, um, yeah, I'm... I like to, I get bored. I think that's the problem. And I think with broadcasting and writing and, you know, the ver different variables that I've found with what I'm doing now by teaching people to cook. Now, the teaching element comes from that Kung Fu side of things. So we'll go back to that, actually. So I've been doing martial arts since I was four years old. So I've been there for nearly 44 years now. <clears throat> and um, 
for the last 20 years, I've been teaching martial arts. So there's that element of wanting to show people something. And there's no point telling someone, well, just punch them on the end of their nose. You know, it's martial <laughs> arts at the end of the day. You've got to explain how you get from point A to point B. So going back to what would I do? I'm doing now what I love doing. Now, in 10 years, that might not be the case. It could, I could have reinvented myself again. <laughs> I don't know. But at the moment, I'm loving writing. I'm loving creating these TV shows. And um, I'm, I'm loving I, I, that, that passion for teaching people to do what I do is still right up there. And, you know, that's, you know, from the martial arts as well as the cooking. So I think I'm just going to continue that for the rest of the time that I can continue that. Wonderful. And do you prefer um, being in the kitchen just cooking or being in front of a camera presenting or I um, I enjoy, I'm a showman, I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I think it might be a one brother thing, actually. So I think we we like the attention. So I enjoy cooking. And, I, you know, so when I'm on TV or whether I'm, you know, even just talking to you guys and trying to convey that passion that I've got for what I'm doing. You know, so when I'm cooking at home, I'm thinking, oh, what can I cook? And you know what? I cook probably a roast dinner twice a week simply because everybody will sit and eat it. And it just it just means I'm not cooking eight different things for different people. So, I think so yeah, I love cooking, but it's a pain in the backside sometimes. So, <laughs> I think that's the interesting thing because I I cook dinner for my family every night, and sometimes even really simple recipes I find them such a chore. But then I can do a different recipe that will take four hours, and I love every second of it. It's it's so strange. I I don't know why it's it's like that. I guess it's like you have to be interested in what you're actually cooking. Yeah, no, like I, I think I think you're dead right. And also as well, knowing that everybody's going to really enjoy that time and effort that you've just spent in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, I, I'll spend four or five hours in the kitchen cooking. You know, like I say, yeah, roast dinner is one of those weird things, isn't it? That the chicken takes an hour and a half to two hours and your roast potatoes take another hour, hour and a half and, and just trying to find oven space and stuff. But I don't find that hard work. But then trying to wash up at the end of it all, I'm like, oh, my God, you know, like, and the kids are, you know, kids are kids, aren't they? They just don't do it. And they disappear so quick. <laughs> so it's like, so you kind of like get stuck to that. But yeah, but then I suppose cooking is a type of therapy. So when, especially when you're cooking, if anybody, anybody that's tried any of the recipes in any of my books will find that once they've done it the first time, it looks like literally somebody's dropped a nuclear bomb in the middle of their kitchen. It's just exploded and there's pots and pans everywhere. But by the time they've done it three or four times, they start to learn to tidy up as they go along. So I'm quite a tidy chef that my chopping board, if I've chopped, it's t it's wiped clean immediately. If I've used a pot and it's no longer doing something, if, if I've got time, I will just quickly rinse it off and it'll be on the drain and drying while I'm doing the next thing. But obviously, you know, but that, that takes time again. And by working in a professional kitchen, I think you learn to be tidy you know, so, so yeah, so, because a lot, I get quite a lot of emails and a lot of questions just saying, well, how do I just, you know, <laughs> I've, done, I've just cooked this dinner and it was fantastic, but oh my God, it's going to take me eight days to tidy up now. So, you know, but then again, do it and then they do it the second time. It's not so messy. And by the time they've done it, you know, a handful of times, the kitchen's near enough, pretty much tidy and they, you know, they've got the pan that they cooked it in and that's about it really. Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. 
language is no longer a barrier. Thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I think when I I was growing up, like my mum was just like, how have you managed to fill the dishwasher before you've served the meal? (laughs) How has that happened? My dad has always really drilled it into me. As you cook, you clean. It's never something that you do at the end. It has to be part of the cooking process, basically. And it sounds ridiculous, but if it was up to me, I would like wash up my plate before I finished eating (laughs) I hate having stuff to tidy up at the end of a meal it just I feel like it ruins the meal for me when you're sitting there and you're satisfied with what you've eaten and then you know that you've got a load of mess to tidy up so I'm glad that that's something I've sort of integrated into my cooking schedule which is a fantastic skill you've been taught there I think and I don't think everybody's got that skill as well so you know these are the people that really do stress out thinking oh my god (laughs) you know leave it to the next day and it's twice as bad because everything's just stuck to everything then so he comes in sometimes after I've been cooking and if like there's a couple of pans that I haven't washed yet he goes why are you so messy today? What have you done? <laughs> so sorry. So I've kind of been been trained to to not leave any mess. And um, so apart from sort of, I guess, leaving everything to the last minute in terms of cleaning, what other common mistakes would you say people make when making Chinese takeaway style food at home? And that can be anything with the cooking process or, you know. I think they've got to appreciate the time that it takes to cook. So wok cooking is very quick so if we're doing a stir yeah i don't like to use the term stir fry because stir fry to me i think of these horrible pre-cooked sauces that people use and this floppy vegetables and horrible thin noodles and that's a stir fry to me so but stir, but use wok cooking is very quick and providing your you know the key is preparation so get all of your ingredients ready and if you've got enough little tiny ramekins or little bowls or whatever way out get everything ready so if you know it's going to use approximately half a teaspoon of salt that's another thing as well i don't know if you noticed that chinese cooking and as much as i've put quantities in the books when we're in the kitchen we never weigh things out it's always done by eye and taste so if we know that it's got salt soy sauce oyster sauce you know sugar chilies pinch of this pinch of that pinch of that dip your finger in quick taste or a spoon (laughs) you know, and then adjust to season. Obviously, you know, if if you're not used to that way of cooking, obviously weigh things out. And that's why the cookbooks are there. Because if you follow the recipe to the letter, you should near enough get something that you're happy with that you may need to tweak it out, going back to that sweet and sour thing again. You know, you might need to put a little bit of this in or a little bit of that in just to make it 100% happy for you. 
So preparation for Chinese cookery, have to do that and get it done. So get everything chopped, get everything weighed out, or at least the sauces out of the cupboard. Okay. Uh, for the wok, it's got to be red hot. Wok, you know, we're not we're not stewing unless it's you know unless the recipe is braised or whatever. But it tends to be it's stir fry or quick fry. So therefore, make sure your wok's hot. Um, the drying process. So sort of like we talked about the fried rice, making sure that you're using day old rice. And like there are some meats as well. So if you think about the crispy roast duck, or we talk about the um, pork, you know, the crispy pork with the crackling on top. You have to let those dry out in the fridge for at least 24 to 48 hours. Otherwise, you're not <laughs> going to get that crispiness. So time, preparation, and it's, you know, hot on a hot wok. <laughs> so. so what effect does that sort of drying process have on the end result? How does it make it crispy? It, by putting it into the fridge, it just takes out all of that excess moisture. You know, so so you know, uh, you know the, the crispy belly pork that we've got in the uh, in in the cookbooks, and it's something that I've done on the show as well. Literally, you have to do it the day before. You know, so and you know by going through that process and marinating the meat and then letting it dry out properly, um, it makes all the difference from something that's yeah that was nice to oh my flipping god I need to do that recipe again because and it's one it's one of, it's a crowd pleaser it's one of those people thinking i've got to you know wow what have you done there you're like you know you're a master chef that's michelin star stuff you know it, it just it's just down to time it's just time and technique and um so we've got this uh, chicken recipe with the sweet and sour sauce that you've given us and thank you so much for that is there anything else you'd serve it with as a side dish or personally i would have it with either an egg fried rice or boiled rice um, but you know what? Sometimes just a plain chow mein and a portion of Chinese chips on the side, you can't beat it. So for, for serving, would you serve the sauce on the side for dipping or would you pour it all over the, the dish? So, yeah, so the sauce definitely separate because obviously you've got your chicken balls and you might not always want it in the sweet and sour sauce. You could have a really nice sweet chilli sauce on next to it or you could have even a Chinese curry-style sauce that you could dip it in. You know, the amount of people that used to walk into the takeaway and said, I'll have sweet and sour chicken balls but with curry sauce, please, <laughs> instead of the sweet and sour. Because, again, because people there are certain things that people like, isn't there? So, so the chicken ball is just the vessel that you can then carry to whatever sauce that you want it into. So. I, think I remember the first time I had it actually I think it was at Elizabeth Smith's house and I was about five and it was the first like Chinese takeaway I'd had before and it came in like a little bag and it was just great. <laughs> so w- one of the ideas that I've had for a TV program is doing exactly that just talking to people do they remember the first time they had a Chinese takeaway yeah you know because yeah. they're because most people can remember it so yeah I, I do as well weirdly enough <laughs> I don't remember any other takeaway but thinking about it now it was with my friend Sophie and my family didn't really get takeaways a lot but her family would get a Chinese takeaway every weekend and I remember sort of sitting down and be like what how do I eat this like what do you know and and then it's just it's like nothing you've ever tasted before the first time you try it yeah definitely and the novelty of having to pick up the first pair of chopsticks ever and trying to work out how to use them so it's, it's, it's there's that whole element isn't there sort of like the smells the tastes the sights the eating implements and especially if you try and eat it like a Chinese guy a bowl and then you bring it up to your mouth and you scoop the rice in you know it's hilarious trying to watch people do that for the first time because they kind of like just get it all down their nice clean shirts and blouses and stuff so 
And how would you make that dish like into a menu? So would you follow it with a, a main and a dessert or something? So yeah, if you were going to make it into a menu, what would you do? Okay, then. So we've got sweet and sour chicken balls. So a, a, a sweet and sour chicken balls to me would be kind of like a side dish. So we'd probably need a main dish to go with that. So it depends again. So maybe a nice vegetable dish and so maybe the spicing, spicy hoisin mixed vegetables. Then you want something a little bit more savoury. So we could go for a, um, a beef and black bean sauce. And then you want at least a rice dish of some description. So maybe a boiled rice and a fry, or a fried rice. Noodles are always good because, you know, it's always a, the way that you eat Chinese food, you have a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of something else, you know. So, so you kind of like create this concophony of amazing flavours all on one plate. Um, so, yes, yeah, so maybe a few noodles. For starters, um, maybe some prawn toast. Um, if you've got prawn toast, maybe you want some soup as well, because there's nothing like dipping prawn toast into a hot and sour soup or just chicken and sweet corn soup or something. So that's quite a nice little starter. And then to finish off, have you probably noticed Chinese are not big on desserts? You go to a restaurant, you've got toffee apples or banana fritters, and that's about it. So, um, so yeah, so dessert is really up to you guys, you know. And if you're going to recreate a feast of Chinese takeaway favourites, do you have any advice for coordinating it? Because obviously there's quite a few dishes going on at once, um, especially in your new book. So how do you get everything on the table on time without getting into a bit of a panic? So it's really all down to prep. So get your prep done. So you think about how we would do it in a restaurant or a takeaway. Your sweet and sour chicken balls would be pre-cooked. So they just need to go through the fryer for the last minute or two just to finish off. Um, your rice would already be steamed or cooked and just sit into one side in a, in a warmer. Even the fried rice you could probably do beforehand and just cover it with silver foil just to keep it hot. Um, if you are doing things in the wok, maybe think about one or two dishes that cook in a couple of minutes through the wok. So we could do the beef and black bean because beef cooks really quickly in a hot wok. It takes two or three minutes all the way through. So by the time you've re-dropped your chicken balls into the oil, you've got your beef and black bean near enough cooked, then the chicken balls come out and they're resting, the beef's done, then you maybe put a vegetable dish through the wok. So you've now got sweet and sour chicken balls, sweet and sour sauce is already pre-done as well. Then you've got beef and black bean, then you've got a vegetable dish, your rice is already pre-done, your prawn toast is pre-fried and sitting in a very warm oven. So that's kind of like, so everything's kind of done. Even your soup, you can cook your soup all the way to, to the point of where it's finished, even thickened, and just have it on a very, very low flame, just just blipping away so it's warm. And then that way you can pretty much get the food all out at the same time. So it's yes. prep and timing, it's, it's basically. Prep and, yeah. and it's practice. You know, don't expect to get it right the first time because you just won't do it. My dad now, even when he, my dad's rubbish at timing, like literally rubbish at timing. And we can sit down and, you know, when he used to cook, he's a bit older now, so he doesn't tend to cook as much as he used to. But he would literally have one course. So you'd have maybe scallops to start off with. And then it'd disappear in the kitchen for half an hour. And then the next dish would come out. And then by the time you finish that one, half an hour later, he's cooked another dish. So the actual meal itself has taken four hours. (laughs) But it's kind of because he doesn't, he finds it so hard with timing. And it really is. It, it, there is there is a knack to it, and I think you've got to do it a few times, and you've got to you've got to appreciate. Well, you've got to know what you can pre cook first. That's not going to spoil. So if we did the shredded crispy chili beef, um, which is very thin strips of beef in a very crisp coating, you can pre cook that and stick it in a warm oven, and it'll stay crispy in the oven, and it'll even get even crispier. Then you can have the sauce pretty much pre done, and all you've got to do is bring those two together at the very end. So that's kind of like, there's one dish done already. You can do that with the chicken balls, pretty much. 
and the sweet and sour sauce is ready. The soup's already kind of, so it's just, in my head, I can work it all out. But for you guys, you've just got to do it and think, oh, that didn't work. This is how I would do it different next time. And the next time you do it, tweak it out. And by the time you've done it again, a handful of times, you'll do banquets and you'll be like king or queen of the kitchen. <laughs> so, I guess as you've been talking about a roast dinner so much, it's kind of on, on the brain. But I guess it's kind of like a roast dinner. When you first do it, it's so daunting and there's so many different elements to it. You just don't know where to start and the timing is so difficult. But after a couple of tries you know, you can have this beautiful roast dinner all out at once. So, and also just out of interest, um, obviously, as I've mentioned, I, I have got your book and I've been looking at all the recipes and I can't decide what to make. Do you have a favourite recipe from your book or is that like asking you to choose a favourite child? Um, yeah, kind of, I guess. But, so, you know, every, you know, yeah, it is like choosing a child, <laughs> your favourite child. I, I go through phases. So um, I had to eat sour chicken at the weekend, actually, Hong Kong style. I've been quite fancy in honey and lemon chicken. Um, so I think I'm going to do honey and lemon chicken this week at some point. Um, and I'm just writing this. I, I, I guess it's, I think everybody knows. I'm, I'm near enough finished book number four, which then, you know, so that it's a long process from writing it to get, it won't be out till next year. But there, there's, there's like loads of recipes in there that I've got to try out. So I'm going to be cooking all of those as well soon. So, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I, I suppose it's just, you know, because I cook Chinese food, I actually get quite bored of Chinese food sometimes as well. Maybe I don't know if I should be saying that really, but <laughs> it's just, I think it's just, if you had roast dinner every day, you'd get bored of that, I, I guess. Um, but yeah, I, I do eat a lot of Chinese food. And you know what? Saying that, I eat rice near enough every single day. And if I don't eat rice every single day, I don't really feel like I've eaten. So um, yeah, the rice thing, I mean, we have, like I say, with our roast dinner, we also have rice and gravy, boiled rice and gravy. So, and again, if you've never tried it, you've got to try it because it's fantastic. And it's like, you know, life-changing experience, that one. You can have that. So, <laughs> We spoke about this beautiful, um, you sort of paint it like a big um, feast, basically, of all these things that you can, now we know how to coordinate it as well, which is brilliant. And I wondered if you were going to put that feast out on your table, who would be there? So if you could serve all the recipes that you're testing for your next book, up to you. But if you've, you've done all this food... Who would be like your fantasy dinner party guests? You can have a dead, alive, or even fictional, if you like. Really? <laughs> I, th I suppose, I mean, like, I, I, as you know, I'm a martial artist. Now, um, I, I teach a certain style of Chinese Kung Fu called Jeet Kune Do. Now, Jeet Kune Do was founded by Bruce Lee. And I actually taught for the Bruce Lee family back in 2008. Um, as one of their guest instructors. So I've met the family. So I think Bruce Lee would need to be there. And then I'd have to think about, well, Bruce Lee's instructor, well, one of his instructors, well, he had two, actually. There was Wang Chong Lung and Yip Man. So I'd like those at the dinner party. So I'm cooking for Chinese already. I've made this so easy for myself because they, <laughs> they're eating Chinese food. But then we've got, obviously, you know, there's 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 obviously people out there that have, that have you know, Richard Branson might be quite an interesting one purely because of business. And then there's Arnold Schwarzenegger because I was into my bodybuilding for a long time. But then I love Bowie and I love Prince. So maybe we should be looking at inviting sort of like some rock stars there as well. And unfortunately, they got and George Michael as well. I mean, how it'd be so cool to you know, just to sit and just talk about their lives as as they panned out. And, you know, Elton John. Oh, my God. It, you know what? The list would go on. I'd be cooking. I'd be literally cooking for about eight days before I could do this dinner party. You might need to get so, some help. Like, yeah. <laughs> someone, I, I mean, I don't mind chopping. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there, there are a lot of people that I think sort of like, you know, I don't get starstruck because I, I suppose because I've been, 
been around for a long time with my brother as well, because my brother's obviously, you know, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people. And I'm one, one of these people said, oh, can I get a selfie or can I get an autograph? But then if they're interesting people, you just want to talk to them. So as much as I've named famous people, that's because not because they're famous, it's because they're interesting. It's because I, I love their music or I love what they were doing in their lifestyle. You know, like, you know, the martial arts mindset, the mentality to want to train as much as they did, you know, and, you know, or, or to, just to sit there in front of a piano and just come out with this amazing song that everybody's humming for the next 35 years. You know, it's quite amazing to talk to these people and, you know, what makes them tick, really. So, that's, that's I mean, it's a great list. <laughs> I was going to say that. Brilliant selection. Fantastic. I mean, that's about all we've got time for, Gotlin. Thank you so much for no, joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. So. And Gotlin will be recording a recipe for us so you can cook along, which we can't wait to try. And that will be available as a separate episode at the weekend. And it will also be available on bbcgoodfood.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Rookie and Nice, a new podcast from BBC Good Food. For recipes and more information, please visit bbcgoodfood.com slash podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to never miss an episode. 